It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. This show, as always, being brought to you by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker and Jacob Seelman opening the show this evening, and we have got some serious newswire action going on and a lot has uh, developed in the last uh, couple of days particularly regarding joe gibbs racing jacob as we look at one particular piece of this joe gibbs racing news that's come out this week and focus on the fact that ryan priest who we've had on this show many times not only is going to be racing in the series finale at homestead in the 18 car sponsored by safe light auto glass for joe gibbs but he's also now going to be running probably 10 12 races next year as well and you know honestly jacob for ryan this is really a dream come true it really is and good evening everybody Uh, glad to be back here on pmn and ryan said that actually on twitter this week when being announced as the driver of the 18 for a majority of the races next season, that this really is the dream realized for him. He's now made it to a elite level in the sport. He has gotten to a point where he can showcase his skills on a larger stage. I mean, three races, four races wasn't really enough. It was a good sample size, but he wanted consistency. Now he's got it. Three or four races may not have been a large sample size, but a 2.3 average finish over the course of those starts certainly should have been enough, and I think was enough, obviously, for Coach Gibbs and the team to decide to give the call to Ryan, who now, you know, is in a unique position going into Homestead, being able to look forward not only to running this race, but knowing that he's going to get a somewhat generous portion of the 2018 series schedule in the all-star car which will be the 18 and we'll tell you why a little bit later on in the program but uh, we're going to introduce our new england correspondent kyle souza who also writes for area auto racing news and is a part of the nascar home tracks wheel and modified tour pr team kyle this is a really interesting development because I don't think any of us were too surprised that he got the chance to drive at Homestead. But I do think, Kyle, that it was a huge surprise that, you know, with all of this coming out, that Joe Gibbs Racing has actually given him the shot now that he's been waiting for to run a pretty good number of races. We know there's 12 available, at least in theory. You know, if all of the uh, other drivers who have been in that all-star car get to run But this is really big for Ryan Priest and for modified racing in general, I think, because it's one of the first times in a while that we've seen a driver from the modifieds actually not only get a shot in NASCAR's National Series, but with an elite team where now he's got a chance to go out and make a name for himself over a longer period of races. Yeah, I think that's uh, that sums it up pretty well. You know, Ryan getting this opportunity for this weekend, which I think was goal number one. But obviously the second goal of his uh, to get into the uh, number 18 car for multiple races next year has been something they've been working on for a little bit, a little bit of 
time at least, and they're able to finally uh, announce that to us just yesterday. I think uh, over the last couple of years, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this show. Ryan's been coming up the ladder in NASCAR, you know, from the modified tour uh, to a full-time campaign of the NASCAR Xfinity Series last year with JD Motorsports. But I think, you know, in general, uh, Ryan's got another great opportunity here, Jacob. And, you know, Tom mentioning there are about, you know, in theory, 12 races open. I think the guaranteed races we're going to see Ryan would be uh, definitely the standalone Xfinity races where the cup guys are not at the same track. I think that's a good bet. Uh, and I'll be interested to see if Priest gets the opportunity to run one of the restrictor plate tracks or a place like Bristol as well. So there's a lot of questions, obviously. We don't want to speculate too much on the races he's going to get. But no matter the fact, this is a great opportunity for him to continue uh, in, in a team that's he show, he's already shown he can win in and a team that we know can win in the Xfinity Series. Oh, absolutely. This is a huge moment. And... The way I see it is Ryan Priest took a gamble on himself, and the gamble paid off. He foregoes a full season in 2017 in the Xfinity Series to run three races. It'll end up being four races, including this weekend at Homestead, Miami, with Joe Gibbs Racing. Finishes top five in those three races during the middle part of the summer into the early fall. Wins a race at Iowa and now gets rewarded with additional races. Now, let's keep in mind here, there are 12 races based on the Xfinity Series rulebook that no cup regulars are permitted to run in next year. Anybody that's running for cup points is barred from these races. The four dash for cash races during the regular season, the regular season finale, and the seven playoff races in the NASCAR Xfinity Series next year, Tom. You would anticipate that Ryan would get most, if not all, of those races. And then there's also some standalone races when you get into the mid to late portion of the regular season that become open possibilities for Priest to jump into. We know Kyle Busch is going to run seven races in that 18 car, we would anticipate with NOS Energy Drink sponsoring. But again, a humongous opportunity for Ryan, and good to see him back in the car more on a regular basis. And oh, by the way, let's not forget, he's running to help JGR secure the owner's championship this weekend in that 18 car at Homestead, Miami as well. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to say in my wieldy open to the show was that Ryan has an opportunity here of what you would think would be a minimum of 12 races, but of course we have no definitive number yet, and we're kind of assuming that uh, Eric Jones will run races, Denny Hamlin will run races, uh, and Daniel Suarez will run races in the yeah. All-Star car as well. And the release did confirm that all three of those drivers, in addition to Kyle, will be a part of that program next year from JGR. And so that's, we know that. That's where I was going. What we don't know is how the number of races is going to be split up. We're assuming that it will be 10, 12, maybe a few more than 12 for Ryan, um, depending on how many uh, the other drivers end up running. And the thing about this is, as you mentioned, he's helping Joe Gibbs Racing run for the owner's title, which is kind of interesting because it'll be the second owner's title that he's helped an owner win if, in fact, that happens. Because, of course, uh, in the modified division, he uh, ended up being successful in bringing the owner's title to that team as well. Yes, the Ed Partridge number six team with Priest at the helm for most of the races, Kyle, did get 
the Owners' Championship this season on the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. I know you and I have talked about this the first time the Owners' and Drivers' titles have ever been split on the Tour. But what this does, too, I think, is it also raises the profile of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. You know, Ryan Priest has made it a goal of this is where he wants to be. He wants to be one that has jumped from the short track ranks, from the modified ranks, up to that next level, and now we're seeing him be successful in that. I think this is a big boon for not just modified racers across America, but short track racers across America to prove that talent can still win out in a system that has become so much about sponsorship dollars. Yeah, I think that's a major point here too, Jacob. Uh, the fact that uh, Priest is getting an opportunity in this car, first of all, and second of all, that uh, there there is competition uh, for some of these Xfinity rides. You know, he's competing against guys like Brandon Jones that's hopping over there uh, to JGR, of course, Matt Tiff leaving. So some of these young guys that are joining him at Joe Gibbs Racing, like Christopher Bell, who's got a chance at winning the truck championship, Uh, This weekend, you know, these guys that are joining him are all going to be young. I think that's a major benefit to him, too. When he's in that car, he's got two or three people, Jacob, that are with him that are just as young as him and are able to, you know, feel the same feels in the race car. And I think that's a benefit to him as well. Sure it is. Sure it is. And I think not just the youth in JGR next season, Kyle, but you look at some other guys uh, up there in New England who have been supportive of Priest in this whole endeavor. I mean, this has got to give guys up there hope that their aspirations could potentially become reality given the right circumstance as well. Everybody in the modified community is is cheering for Ryan. Everybody in the racing community is cheering for him to get the job done. You know, of course, the the headlines are going to be that Justin Allgaier, Elliot Sadler, Daniel Hemrick, and William Byron are going for that driver's championship. Uh, And there's a lot of storylines there. But I think another storyline, obviously, uh, there with the Wheel Modified Tour for Priest and the opportunity for him to showcase the modified community once again. You know, I talked to Keith Rockle over the last couple weeks, uh, and he's told me, You know, Ryan's done a lot for the modified community to showcase us. Justin Bonsignor has told me much of the same uh, over the last couple of weeks and over the last couple of years. So, uh, Jacob, I'm really excited for him to get this opportunity one more time and excited to see what he can do on Saturday. That season finale for the NASCAR Xfinity Series is going to be the second race of the weekend there. uh, But it it probably has some of the best storylines of the weekend, and Priest has just added to that now. I would agree with that. Now, I want to ask you a question in the last couple minutes of this segment, Kyle, because I'm genuinely curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, we've seen Ryan Priest be the guy that's really cracked the glass ceiling on the Modified Series and been able to break out of the tour and make something happen. So who's the next guy out of this group that you feel like could be the one to bust through like Ryan has this year? Yeah, that's a really tough question. Uh, you know, there, there's guys there that probably deserve an opportunity. You know, Doug Kobe ran a K&N car uh, this year. Uh, Jacob, though, I'm not sure right now that there's somebody clear-cut uh, that's going to get an opportunity like Priest has been given. Uh, I, I think that's for a variety of reasons, but I think Ryan right now is this generation's modified man that can jump to the next series. Uh, there are other guys in the modifieds. You know, locally, that maybe not race on the tour, that could have a chance. Tommy Barrett, obviously, is a lot of talent. There are guys that have a lot of talent uh, on that tour, but I'm not sure names like Timmy Salomito and Justin Bonsignor can make that jump. 
at this point, and I'm not sure that some of them want to, too. I think Priest wants to make that jump, and I think there are guys like Kobe that are comfortable where they are, uh, and they're having a lot of success doing it, so they're not really interested in jumping. you got to realize that it's a big difference between the Tour and the Xfinity Series. I understand the cars, the, the contention, you know, the competitiveness in the field, and the talent level, obviously, in the Xfinity Series is going to be a little bit more. But the other thing is the time away from home, uh, you know, the schedule, 30-something races each year. So uh, I'm not sure that somebody's going to do that right now, but I think Priest is this man's generation. And then that next generation that we see coming in, names like Swanson, Carroll, uh, guys like that are not there yet. But if they can put together a couple of good years on the tour, that young generation can probably make that jump over the next couple of years. See, the name that stuck out to me, and I'll just offer my thoughts real quick here before we go to break, was potentially Timmy Salamito. He's kind of in that similar age bracket to Ryan that if he wanted to, Tom, I felt like, you know, get the right sponsor behind him. He could be one that could make the jump. He's the one that I know definitely has the talent, much like Priest, to be able to go out and do it. But I think, like Kyle said, we just have to wait and see if the circumstances align for anybody to make that possible. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely something that I could see happening. And, you know, the modified tour really shouldn't be forgotten about. And and Ryan, I think, is doing a good job of reminding people that it is possible to go from north to south still. And, uh, you know, that racing skill is racing skill, even if it's different types of cars. With that, we'll step aside more with Kyle around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. 
This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Timmy Salamito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Oh, no, not as if that wouldn't have been planned at all. And I think it gives us uh, the point to mention, Tom, that Timmy Salamito going to be among the drivers who are making the trek with their modifieds to Myrtle Beach Speedway over the weekend to run in the modified portion of the Myrtle Beach 400, just to throw that out there that that's happening this weekend. Yeah, and of course the late models as well, and that's always a great show down there and a great way to finish the Carolinas racing season up in style, uh, with the exception, of course, of the show that's going to be going on at Hickory this weekend, which is uh, for the Pass South Tour, the Mega Meltdown, 15,000 to win show. That uh, show, like the Myrtle Beach 400, will be MAV TV televised. So uh, lots of options here this weekend. Just hope Mother Nature cooperates. And um, sprint cars, by the way. Don't oh, forget yes, about sprint cars. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, the musty racing sprint cars at Hickory as well. So uh, a lot of opportunities for those of you who are healthy to go out and see some racing here this weekend in the Carolinas. Uh, with that, we continue with Kyle Souza and Kyle talking New England motorsports here and specifically talking about modified touring series and tires, which is that this has grown into kind of an interesting back and forth up there, hasn't it, Kyle? It seems like now we've got I guess a touring series that wants to be on American racers. We've got uh, the whole Hoosier thing. We've, we, it just, there's so much friction. I feel like going on with all these modified tours and, and people, it seems like one or two of them pop up every year. Now, how many is too many and how does a new tour fit in, in terms of differentiation from everything else that exists. I mean, talk a little bit about the state of the the sort of localized modified tours in New England, Kyle, because I think for those of us from outside of that area looking in, you know, we know about the Wheel and Modified Tour and we see all these other tours and wonder how are they all fitting in and why do we need another one still? Yeah, it's, it's a very uh, interesting situation uh, going on right, right up here in New England. Uh, 2017, of course, the introduction of the Modified Touring Series, uh, owned and operated by Gary Knight. Uh, They had about 10 races this year. Uh, They had a champion. Eric Goodale won their championship. But a lot of speculation uh, that they may not be back for 2018. The reason because American Racer was their tire compound uh, for this season. Well, they had a a falling out uh, late August, early September that was kind of inside the woodworks. Well, that came out. Uh, sometime in September, and things started spiraling, spiraling down from there. Uh, you know, sources telling me that American Racer was paying some of the purse money for the races that the MTS was putting on. Uh, there was an argument between Gary Knight and American Racer, and the two of them uh, had a falling out, obviously, and it came down to the end of the season. They did finish the season. Uh, American Racer supplied the point fund for this season. Uh, much to the dismay of Gary Knight, they did not want to attend the banquet with that point fund money. Instead, they wanted to just give it directly to the drivers via mail. Uh, That was done. The drivers were mailed or given their checks uh, by hand. So the point fund was completed. All the money was completed, and the banquet was subsequently canceled uh, because Gary Knight felt that since all the point fund money had been given out, and all the the awards had been given out, there was no sense to have a banquet. 
Uh, and that created a little bit of speculation as to what was going to happen next. Well, Gary has signed a deal with Hoosier Racing Tire uh, for the 2018 season. They do plan oh, on going boy. forward. You know, he's been saying he wants to have a 10 race schedule. But I can confirm that two of the tracks that he was at this season, uh, Seekonk and Stafford, have denied him dates uh, for the 2018 season. So there's some question there on what's going to happen with that. I mean, the London Waterford Speed Bowl situation is still very much up in the air if that track's even going to open next year. Uh, they say they have a date plan to open, but that's still a very, very difficult situation to look out from the outside. Uh, there's a lot of inside things going on at Waterford that are right. have not come out yet, you know, and that's going to be interesting. But I think the real problem we're having right now up here in New England is a series like Modified Toy Series Operated by Night is basically a direct comparison to the Valenti Modified Series. It's the same car, basically the same rules, and a lot of the same drivers run both tours. And the problem becomes when there's two races on one day, you know, we're splitting and having 15 cars at each race instead of 30 at one race. So uh, I think that's becoming a major issue, Tom. And, uh, you know, Gary had something good going for a while. But unfortunately, right now, I mean, the Valenti Modified Racing Series, we've been speculating that that may go away. But they have just been sitting there and, and trugging along. And right now they may be in the catbird seat. Well, it's kind of interesting when you look at it because, you know, of course, the Northeast season, because of the climate and, you know, the situation that exists from a meteorological standpoint, you know, the season runs what, you know, late April to, I guess you can go to the end of October, but anything past, much past Labor Day and you just start to ask for trouble in terms of weather issues and and the potential for, uh, you know, weather issues. And so... Really, when you look at it, you try to schedule, you have two tours running the same group of cars, and if they were to even desire to stay off each other's dates, and they're going to run, you know, 10 or 12 races apiece, that's kind of tough. I mean, when you factor in that you obviously have at least a certain number of those drivers who also want to support the wheel and modified tour, you know, it it just um, becomes a very crowded playing field or crowded calendar up there and you know hard to to kind of make all that work so um you know it's it's just interesting to observe and it's a shame that um american racer went away and you know now i i guess in one way i suppose if the compound is the same as what they're running at some of the other tracks then that's probably not a bad thing but at the same time um sometimes i think that having differentiation is good and it kind of keeps everybody out there and um you know lets people see the differences between tire manufacturers or whatever you're dealing with and um you know this this sort of feels to me like um it it just is a little bit contentious and you know i guess we'll have to see how that works kyle but you know there's only so many cars to go around and um, it's always a concern when you have two tours bucking up against one another. And like you said, we end up with 15 cars at both shows instead of 30. So I hope whatever happens, I hope that we can at least get everybody on the same page and not trying to directly compete against each other. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to sum that. Uh, you know, it's been uh, an interesting Last couple of seasons up here, uh, a lot of guys running 
you know, sprinkling themselves, as you mentioned, between a couple of different tours throughout the year. And it's been difficult to to see who's going to do what when. Uh, And, you know, these guys are putting out an entry list to say that there's 30 cars coming and only 15 show up because people are putting themselves on the entry list for two or three series because they're not sure what they're going to do that specific weekend. You know, and it may come down to something as simple of what what track is closest to my house, uh, you know, what the purse looks like, et cetera. I mean, the purses for the MTS were, were pretty good this year, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, the tire compound situation uh, threw a lot of guys for a whirlwind, and the tracks are starting to put together their schedules uh, for 2018, which brings me uh, to a schedule point here in the middle of this. Uh, I mentioned Seacock had denied MTS. Uh, Seacock's not going to have the Valenti Modified Racing Series either in 2018. They're going to have their their Wheel Modified Tour date, and the Tri-Track Series will be in twice, uh, as it looks right now for 2018. So, uh, you know, Stafford has said they won't have the MTS. They're going to have the Valenti Series. They're going to have the Wheel and Tour. So what is it saying? You know, that's something that we're, we're looking at now. What is it saying that the MTS is being denied these dates, Jacob? Is that saying that, you know, the tracks don't want them because of what's going on, or is it saying that, they just don't have room at this point. I think that's a, a very valid question at this point. I think it is. Now, I want to pose a question back to you, Kyle, because obviously talking about the 2018 schedule for the tour, I don't know that we anticipate necessarily many changes for 2018. Uh, anything big coming down the pike, do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be many track changes for 2018. They're going to see a lot of the same tracks, uh, but there are going to be some date shakeups uh, that people are going to be a little bit surprised about. Talking to some officials uh, from Myrtle Beach over the last couple of weeks, they've confirmed to me that they are actively seeking that uh, March date that they had this year uh, for 2018. So it looks like we're possibly going to kick off right back at Myrtle Beach. Uh, Seekonk's date is going to change from August up to June. Uh, so they're going to jump ahead two months on the schedule. Uh, of course, we've got that big event at Loudoun, uh towards the end of the year, that 250-lot wheel and tour race. And we're going to see, as it looks right now, talks are continuing, but it looks like we're going to see the return to Monadnock Speedway uh, up in Winchester, New Hampshire, as well uh, for 2018. That track had been off the schedule this year. It looks like they'll be back. And it also looks like we're going to have our regular you know, three, four races at Stafford, three or four races at Thompson. Uh, for next season. Langley is back on the schedule. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen that. Langley put out their 2018 schedule. They've confirmed that date for late June. Uh, So that moves from May to June, and sources telling me that that Monadnock race is going to slide into where Langley was in May. May. May, So they're going to flop that out. Early at this point, you know, to confirm that we're not going to welcome in a new track, but to this point, it looks like a lot of the same just those date shakeups and moving of dates after they've gone there for the first time. Langley's going to swap, Seekonk's going to swap, and trying to you know do the best they can to give these teams the opportunity to prepare the best for each race. It's a lot of matters of convenience, and I think if you can logistically make it better, then it's all well and very, very good, Kyle. So I'm excited. I was glad to see the tour back on Langley's schedule when they released the 2018 calendar earlier this week. And, you know, I think that Myrtle Beach, some of these southern tracks are really good for the modified tour. So always fun. Always appreciate having you on, and we will look forward to doing it again next week as we prepare to part here, Kyle. Yeah, one more thing, uh, you know, talking about the Wheel Modified Tour that I did not mention. The penciled-in schedule right now, NASCAR is trying to give those teams a little bit of a 
a pre-break before they go into New Hampshire for that 250-lap race. I think that's something they've wanted to do uh, to make sure those drivers have a week or two to prepare their stuff for a 250-lap race, uh, which is the longest in the history of the tour at New Hampshire. So uh, that's going to be an interesting race to watch, an interesting race to be at, and uh, an interesting race to see how it plays out with the tire strategy. And things like that. But yeah, next week uh, we'll talk about what else is going on up here in New England. A lot of crazy things starting to happen uh, as we approach the holiday season. These schedules coming together and uh, a glimpse into what we might see for some of the regional tracks in 2018 uh, coming up pretty soon. We're looking forward to it. And with that, we are going to step aside when we come back even more here on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. And you can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. You are listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. I'm PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman with you, joined now by Rents Brown. And also joined now by Rents Brown and also by Cisco Scaramuza and Jacob. We were talking about uh, a little earlier in the 
previous segment, we were talking about Ryan Priest and all of the uh, flux that sort of surrounds his part of the JGR situation. Indeed. But there's more to it. (laughs) I mean, JGR has been all over the news this week, and really, it's it's not been a series of news releases as much as it was just sort of one one big giant thing, thing. that <laughs> just absolutely blew everybody's mind. I think when uh, when we saw it, not only is Ryan Priest getting his chance, but in a sense, what's happened here is a driver swap. Matt Tift is going to leave the 19 car, Joe Gibbs Racing, to go over to Richard Childress Racing to drive the two for 2018 Uh and brandon jones is coming over from richard childress racing to drive the 19 for joe gibbs racing in 2018 and i gotta tell you i was totally shocked by this and i want to put this gently it i think part of the reason it blew my mind and i know a lot of people are talking about this is brandon Super nice kid, really, really fun to be around, but the the performance so far hasn't really been there on the Xfinity side. This was sort of an an interesting move here. You have to wonder if maybe, Jacob, this actually will give Brandon a new lease on life. Sometimes a change of scenery is good. We've seen it with a lot of drivers in the past. I think it will be good for Matt Tift, even though I think Matt got better and better as the year went on, but... What say you about all of this? Okay, so you said way more than I expected you to say in that, which you're very good at. I try. So let me go back to the very beginning and offer my first thought. To quote the Urban Dictionary, Joe Gibbs Racing broke the internet. Yeah. That's basically how this went down. Pretty much. Second point that I have to all of this, I disagree with your premise Yes, okay, the results this year have not been well, good. Well, that's what I was speaking about, well, the results, not necessarily you, his skill level. You made it level. sound like it was taking his whole Xfinity career no, into account. No, that's not what I meant. Okay, good. I'm glad that's not what you meant because I was about to argue the point um, how quickly we forget that he made the playoffs yes. as a rookie yes. last season. But I think if you look at the body of work overall, the results, the progress that you might have expected him to make from one to two, year one to year two, has not been there. And I was making the point that maybe a change of scenery for him becomes good, good, just like I think for Matt Tift, he'll be able to get a fresh start. I agree. Now, I'm going to equate Brandon Jones' season this year to one of our good friends in the K&M Pro Series East from this year, Colin Cabry. Both of them had every vestige of bad luck that – existed in racing you know most of Brandon's bad results were not predicated on lack of speed but pure dumb bad luck and Rents I like this as a matter of fact because for Brandon Jones like Tom said it's a refresher in scenery the last time we saw a driver get a refresher in scenery and go over to Joe Gibbs racing albeit it was on the cup side 
Matt Kenseth won seven races in his first year. Now, I'm not saying Brandon Jones is going to win seven races. But I, I do think... That. that would be great. <laughs> I, I, but I do believe firmly that. that JGR has the best equipment in the series right now, and Brandon has the talent mm -hmm. to get it done. I think you're going to see a major uptick for him in 2018. Well, the big thing is if he doesn't really perform to the level that JGR is accustomed to having all their drivers compete at, there's really no more excuses. And Brandon Jones, for the most part, in his Xfinity career, hasn't ever really, and it's nothing against his talent, but has never really risen to the top. He's never really had that moment where everyone goes, aha, that's the Brandon Jones that we see in the ARCA series when he goes down there. That's mm -hmm. the Brandon Jones that we're used to seeing. So there's a lot of upside and a lot of upswing for Brandon Jones. That JGR team is the best in the Xfinity series. Sure, you have, yes. you know, JRM that has three of the four spots in the final four, but week in and week out, the Toyota Racing Stable has been the best car. And I believe that won't really change in 2018. Sure, Tom, JGR and JRM will still be the two powerhouses, but Brandon Jones will lead laps next year, and he will be in contention for polls, and I believe he'll be in contention for wins. If he's not, then there's a serious issue we need to look at, and it's going to be really hard, Tom, to really base the first five racers or so off. Let's see what he does about yes. midway through the season at Daytona, I'd say, when we come back around. Well, I think that this is exactly what he needs because, and again, I think it may be what Matt Tiff needs too, but I want to follow up on your point. I agree, Cisco, with the point that Rents made about the fact that JGR, I think, is still the best group in Xfinity. And I think if you look at the fact that they're likely, I guess we could say, to win the owner's title, um, perhaps, with only one full-time driver, I mean, you know, I think that says a lot. You get you get a driver next year in Chris Bell, and now you got Brandon Jones, and you bring in Ryan Priest for a dozen or so, and then throw in the cup guys, and I think it's going to be very difficult next year to stop this uh, JGR group, to be honest. Um, I think Junior will certainly be there, as you said, uh, and we don't know how strong the Childress group will be. We assume Daniel Hemrick will continue to make progress. We would think Matt Tift would make progress maybe after some time to get used to uh, the differences between the two organizations and such, but um, I think it's going to be a long year for a lot of other uh, teams and a couple of other manufacturers in the Xfinity Series next year, uh, especially if Brandon Jones can step up and into this car and really give it a go at uh, the full force that it should be. I I agree with you up to a point, Tom, because we're getting into the territory here where I'm not sure I buy that all of the JGR teams are going to be at that level because the one thing that we saw this year is that Kyle Busch up to a point was really good, but that team would end up making mistakes and costing themselves races. And that's a team that's been full time. Now you take JGR, some of those teams don't have, you know, they didn't have the same driver in the car all year. So that's my one hang up with this is that we've seen J inconsistency from JGR. We've seen a lot of speed, but the consistency this year has all been with JR Motorsports. It hasn't been with JGR, Tom. So 
that's that's kind of where my hang-up is, and I agree. I think this is a great change of pace for Brandon Jones. Just don't throw me on the bandwagon quite yet. Well, I'm not saying I'm on the bandwagon, but I, I am saying that I think having two full-time drivers and one driver who's going to run about a third of the schedule, and, of course, you'll have Kyle Busch probably for a full seven, I would guess. So, you know, at that point, I mean, it's it's just going to be tough as a whole organization. I'm saying it's going to be tough to contend with the Joe Gibbs group next year. Uh, I'm not going to say Brandon Jones is going to go out and win a bunch of races, but I certainly think it's possible he could win a few. And I do believe, Jacob, that he actually has uh, a, a position now coming into this where I don't think the expectations are going to be all that high for him just based on what we've seen of him this past year. So if he comes out strong and starts winning a few races, it's going to shock a lot of people, and I hope he does. Wrong. You don't think? No, 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 no. Not wrong in it's going to shock a lot of people, but wrong that the expectations aren't there. You're driving for Joe Gibbs Racing. Well, I'm saying as as a fan. As a okay, uh, as a gonna, fan, maybe yes. That's what I'm saying. I think from, from a team standpoint, this oh, is course, yes. this is do or die. This is put up or shut up. Yes, for Brandon Absolutely. Jones as a fan. I agree with that. As a fan, yes, it's going to shock some people if he comes out and I does what he ought to do. Speaking from a fan's okay. perspective, it's okay. not like I. That, so I think the, I, the, I didn't catch on to that. I think the fans so I'll are give you. Be, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. I didn't catch on that. And but, I think we actually. I think we actually need to give Brandon the opportunity to at least have a little bit of time to grow into that. And, and I agree. Just like I think we need I to agree. give Tift a little time as well. I, I agree with what Cisco said. I actually think the more the season goes on, the tougher Brandon Jones yeah. is going to get. Fair enough. For sure. Fair enough. And with that, we're going to step aside when we come back. We have got much more of the show to come. We're going to be hearing from Tyler Dipple, and we've got a lot more of the Newswire. We're just getting started with all of this. We'll be back with more on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing 
making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Metallica, bring us back there. I had to pause and listen to that. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Rents Brown, and Cisco Scaramuza with you this evening. Bill behind the glass. Jacob, you're dying to jump uh, in. I, I am because Brand, well because Brandon McReynolds brought us back from break, and that lets us kind of just mention something that we haven't really gotten to mention on this show yet, but he's going to be making a return to the NASCAR K&M Pro Series East in 2018 on a part-time basis with uh, New England-based modified-turned K&N East team Visconti Motorsports, which fielded a modified for C.J. Lehman in a couple of races, including at Charlotte for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour this year, but they're going K&N Racing and tabbed Brandon to drive the car for a few races. I like it, and you know what? Good to see Brandon back in a car. So, you know, he, he brought us back. I just thought I'd throw that, that little will tidbit be good, in and that's Yeah, that's a great news for sure. Uh, I feel like Brandon's been out of the seat forever, uh, and he probably does too. So uh, it would be good to see him back in K&N Pro, Pro East in uh, 2018. All right, speaking of K&N Pro East, uh, a competitor in the K&N Pro East series this year, uh, Tyler Dipple, actually been racing a couple of years in that series. You had a chance to sit down with Tyler a couple of weeks ago at the World Finals, and mm-hmm. Tyler's got some interesting things going for next year. There's things afoot is yes. what there is. Yes, And... 
nothing that's completely, finally, concretely official yet, but a lot of speculation and a lot of Mark Rett hinting that this is what he wants to happen, and they're in the final stages from what it appears of putting it all together. Tyler uh, always jumps at the chance, though, to get back behind the wheel of his Dirt Big Block Modified. He was down at the World Finals at Charlotte uh, doing that, battled some motor issues, and came back strong Friday and Saturday night, was competitive, uh, didn't quite make the field, but... You know, Gun didn't put the foot to the floor like Tyler tends to do on dirt tracks. Had a rough season in the K&M Pro Series East. Like Colin Cabry, about everything that could go wrong did. I think he he and I were counting it up. You'll hear him reference it in the interview you hear in just a second. But something like 11 flat tires in 14 races this season. I mean, that's just absurd when you stop and think about the odds of that happening it's just like it was an absurdly weird season for Tyler uh, James Bickford have a bunch of flats in his last year at Canaan West I want to say he did he did yes it's Uh, it's funny how and you you think in this day and age you just don't have that issue with flat tires but it seems like some drivers just get almost out of well, no pun intended, but on a roll with, with yeah. flat tires, and it happens more and more. That, that was really, really bad. <laughs> it was not intentional, believe now, me. Tyler's excited. Mark Rett wants to take him big car racing next season, not that K&N East isn't a big say, car. What do you but call those? Mark Legends? wants to take him ARCA racing. Tyler wants to go ARCA racing. Enthusiasm abounds. Now I'll let Bill push a button, and we'll hear from Tyler Dipple. Tyler Dipple and motor problems meant that the World Finals did not go well. But the good news is Tyler Dipple is at the World Finals because he has fun running on dirt. The other good news is if the rumors are to be believed, somebody's getting ready to go run a lot of ARCA races next year. So what's the scoop? I'm just uh, working out the final details, but as of right now, it looks to be ARCA right now. I don't really know how much or really what. I'm sure the details will come out pretty soon here. So, uh, But yeah, that would be really exciting. And then of course probably run a few dirt races here and there like we are now. But yeah, it should be a really cool year next year. You come back to Charlotte every year and I feel like every time I see you, you're just grinning because this is, in a way, is like your golf game. This is what you do to have fun. It's what you started with. What does it mean every time you get to come back and and do this with the big block and kind of get your mind off the day job now, so to speak? Oh yeah, it's just an awesome time here every time. It's just such a cool racetrack, such a fun track, you know. From uh, the surface we have back home up north, it's got way more grip down here. Normally the top line is a preferred line. I just love it. You know, you could bang it off the cushion normally in the feature. It's just such a cool racetrack. I know not necessarily the start of the season you wanted, but you and Rhett Jones were really able to find some speed in the second half and end a lot stronger than you started. I mean, maybe the results don't always show it, but how do you look back on this 2017 season as one that may, you guys, I could tell, learned a whole lot from? Yeah, you know, our speed definitely wasn't there for uh, the beginning. I, I shouldn't say that. Our speed was there. But also, through the course of the year, we had 11 flat tires, so that did not help at all. And uh, we just had a lot of bad luck, you know, just getting in 
racks and stuff, but we had speed, it just seemed like nothing could go our way in the beginning, but we had speed and we learned a lot, so I think we should be um, really good as a team if everything's going to come together for next year. Obviously, Mark Rett's been a huge supporter of yours the last year or so. I mean, what's it meant to be able to, to go through some of this journey with him and, and the support that he's offered you? Uh, yeah, he's just been great, you know, always behind me 100%. So it's really cool to have someone behind your back like that through, you know, a season where you really didn't get the results that you expected. So that's really cool that he's stuck behind me and everything like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like we've been fast. It's just... You know, not bad luck. I really don't know how to say it because it's just 11 flats in one year. We only race, only race 14 races. It's just, you know, crazy. So I really don't even know what to say to that. You're still smiling. Obviously, it's been a lot of fun going through the journey. I mean, can, can we call you a pavement racer yet, or are you still always going to be a dirt guy at heart? Um... Call me both. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of both. It's just be both probably forever. So I don't know. I don't. I guess I really can't have a title. But yeah, I, I guess you could call me a pavement racer for my day job. <laughs> yeah, he's having, he's certainly having a lot of fun with it. Tyler Dipple uh, looking to expand the horizons for 2018 and finish off this World Finals a whole lot better than he started it here at Charlotte. Okay, so you know not the the greatest of seasons for Tyler, but you know, he just remains his typical sort of yeah. jocular self. <laughs> you know, he, he's always the same and, yeah. uh, you know, very upbeat and positive and a lot of fun. And he's supremely talented. I mean, they'll get it straightened out. Sometimes it takes a year when you're, when you change organizations like that, and Tyler was still growing and learning, and not just not just from a driver's standpoint, but uh, from a height standpoint as well. I had to crane my neck because <laughs> the last time I saw him, he was oh about five eleven maybe, and I think he's about six three now. Wow. I was I was he's got a full head and shoulders on me now, so I was I was I was having to crane my neck to look up at him when I was doing this interview. It was actually kind of funny. So he went from a maple to an oak, basically. <laughs> Something like that. Um, okay, so yeah, Tyler, uh, I think Tyler and Rhett Jones Racing will yeah. get things squared away quite nicely for 2018. Yes. You know, like I said, sometimes it takes a while, and Tyler was mm-hmm. still developing in the in the full, full body stock car. He right. did get a win in 16, but you know. Kind of lucky win. It was kind and, of. And he, he kind of self-admits that, too. You know, it was tire strategy and, and being in the right place at the right time. He'll tell you well, at that point, that win came at a stage in his career where he wasn't totally ready for it, no, so No, it to speak. was real early. In the, in it, the, like his second race in the K&N car ever. third, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was because uh, Benjamin's window nut came down. Yes. And he had the ball That's off. right. And that's right. That's, I think it was in Alabama somewhere. Mobile. Wasn't it? Mobile, it was Mobile, yeah. And so I, I think Tyler will... Now that he's had a year with Rhett Jones, and if mm-hmm. they can do what they want to do, I mean, I, I'm sure he'll be fine. And it was great to oh, hear yeah. from him, and, and always a lot of fun. I mean, that's a kid that somebody needs to be yes. at least keeping on the radar. Yes, and, the and Mark Rhett has plans for Tyler. You know, he's made no no bones about wanting him in an ARCA car on a more regular basis in 2018 when they made the switch to uh, bring Tyler to DeCoin. 
uh, when they moved the K&N race at Langley and it conflicted with the DeCoin race. Uh, at that time, Mark said their plans were to get Tyler into a more regular ARCA role for the 2018 season, and that was why they were making the decision to keep him up there in Illinois and put Dominique Van Weeringen in Tyler's K&N car for that race. So, you know, my hope is that we do see Tyler on a more, in a more regular basis on the ARCA side yeah, next I so year. Too. I think the bigger tracks will suit his driving style a little bit better, and I think he'll really be able to uh, showcase a little bit more what he's capable of for 2018, and I look forward to it. Look forward to getting him in here at some point in the near future. I know he was telling me at Charlotte that they're in the process. Uh, he is, now that he's done with school, of trying to relocate down here, so we'll look forward to hopefully uh, getting him across from us here at the roundtable before too long. That certainly would be fun. Uh, Tyler, like I said, definitely a a uh, promising young racer who's still very much uh, on the upswing of his development, and I think we'll be hearing much more from him. He's already proven himself yes, on the dirt. He definitely. certainly has proved he can be competitive in the stock cars too, but uh, still a lot to be written about him going forward. With that, we're going to step aside more of the Stock Car Show around the turn, of course, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You're listening to the show on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute, in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. 
Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or at either of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or here in Mooresville, North Carolina, Tom Baker and Jacob Seelman, along with Rince Brown and Cisco Scaramuza. And we've got uh, Bill Holt behind the glass doing such a capable job of pushing buttons here. And, uh, wow, the Newswire gives us a piece of news that uh, is literally hot off the press, and it is surely not the kind of news that we like to bring to you or discuss. But um, Fred Graves, the father of Andy Graves, who... um, well, really, the whole Graves family has mm-hmm. meant so much to the sport. Fred uh, probably is best known in NASCAR circles as uh, a crew chief, and uh, you were just reminding me that he was the uh, crew chief who was on the pit box for Ron Hornaday's Truck Series Championship, right? Yeah, one of the four NASCAR yeah, Camping World 98. Truck Series Championships that Ron Hornaday won. Uh, his second of four titles, uh, Freddie Graves was the crew chief in 1998. They took six wins together that season and 22 top tens in 27 races, including an incredible run of three top four finishes in the final three races that actually propelled Ron to that championship. Uh, Freddie spent a little bit of time crew chief and I think 10 races worth in the Cup Series, but he was most known for uh, for that truck championship as a part of uh, the combination DEI, Bill McAnally, uh, Napa number 16 truck team that Hornaday was driving for at that time. Tom, I know obviously the Graves family, probably to you, most well-known for all the accolades and all the time they spent over the years in the Northeast uh, in the super-modified class at Oswego. Yeah, uh, of course, Fred passing away this morning. But, yes, I remember uh, Fred very well when I first started going to the races at Oswego. I was just five years old in 1973, and uh, Freddie at that time was running a rear-engine car that was actually an old Indy Roadster converted, or an old Indy rear-engine car Mm -hmm. converted to a Super, uh, the one that Mario Andretti had sat on the pole with in 1968 and Freddie ended up, uh, he had some good runs with it, but then ended up destroying it in a crash. Uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that that car has been put back, built back to its original form as an Indy uh, car now. And I'm not sure where it, it got to, but Freddie won uh, a number of features at Oswego, probably the most famous uh, during his time driving for Bill Hyde in the four-wheel drive super modified rear engine that they ran in 75, 74 and 75 and set a couple of mm-hmm. Uh, track records with before the four-wheel drive uh, cars were banned. And, uh, boy, 
tough um, tough hearing that news. Yeah. But uh, Andy, of course, one of the top executives with Toyota's racing program. Yes, and I think another note about his dad, and one that uh, as I'm kind of s- sifting through all the historical notes uh, that still exist on the worldwide internet, uh, Fred was actually uh, one of the major cornerstones when the ISMA winged supermodified series was just getting started, served as secretary and treasurer yeah. for, for ISMA during the, those very formi- formative beginning years. Formative, of the yeah, tour. and uh, was also the tech inspector for part of that time as well. Freddie, a very, very uh, smart man, engineering type mind and uh his younger brother ron also raced supers and was a car owner for quite a bit and uh um cliff graves uh freddie's nephew raced quite a bit as well and they built a bunch of supers in the 80s and 90s that kind of uh were the the in thing at oswego for quite a while so uh andy also probably some of you out there in the audience who are nascarites uh probably remembering andy as the the one when he was with rick hendrick as a crew chief that brought jeff gordon into to the Hendrick Fold. That mm-hmm. was Andy. He actually uh, went on the road with Jeff his last year. I think it was in the old USAC Silver Crown Series. And I yes. think that car still sits in Hendrick Motorsports Hall of Fame, if, I, or if I'm not mistaken, or in their, in their shop. I'm don't, pretty sure it's in there. Don't quote me on that, but I want to say yes. I, I know at one. I know when they had the Jeff Gordon exhibit at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, that car was a part oh, of the exhibit at the that. Hall of okay. Fame. I'm not sure if from there it went back to Jeff's museum or the Hendrick okay. Museum, but well, I know it's, I it, I know it it's still around. Yeah, you could see it at Hendrick's shop last time I saw it. But yep. anyways, uh, our, our sincere condolences to Andy and all of the Graves family. Uh, certainly a uh, a, a tough loss. Freddie was living in Sweden. I just saw him a couple of years ago at one of the Oswego Old Timers reunions and had a chance yeah. to talk shop with him f- for a while. And you know, very N- tough. Nine-time winner at Oswego. Sure uh, was. Yeah. All, all told, big, so. big. Uh, he he could he could get into any car and uh, and be successful with it. Freddie was a good competitor and a very smart man and uh, a very kind man as well. And we'll all miss him greatly, but uh, we will remember him fondly for sure. Let's get on to something happier, shall yes. we? Like talking more about Joe Gibbs racing. Because <laughs> yeah, more news. More. <laughs> this whole show is going to be uh, about Joe Gibbs racing, it seems like, but we're not trying to do that, honestly. They just keep making more news. Jason Ratcliffe making a move for next year as well. He's going over to the Xfinity side to work with Christopher Bell. Rance Brown, I love this move. Jason Ratcliffe said that he was not going to be a crew chief at the cup level once Matt Kenseth left that seat, but we had no idea if that meant he was leaving JGR or whether he was going to have a job somewhere else in the organization. Now we know. Jason Ratcliffe has been one of the best when it comes to working with drivers trying to make their way and pave their way. It was always interesting to me that he ended up with Matt Kenseth and that 20 team. But let me tell you what, I think this pair could be dangerous in 2018 in the Xfinity Series. Christopher Bell needs somebody that knows the car, that knows what he needs and can get it done. Jason Ratcliffe is that kind of a crew chief. And boy, oh boy, fasten your seatbelts because the 20 car, I think, is going to be a lethal weapon come Daytona in February. Not even through Daytona. I think it's going to be through the entire season. Christopher Bell, doesn't matter what crew chief you get, he's just going to be a rocket all next year. And the fact that he has that win at Kansas that 
if you want to say controversial win, you could say that, but he's got that victory underneath his belt so he knows how to win the race. Ratcliffe is a good crew chief. I will say that Jason Ratcliffe has made his fair share of mistakes, and I believe cost Matt Kenseth the chance at the 2013 title when they had their setup the way they did at Phoenix, but Ratcliffe will be just fine. I think he's going to get him many wins. I, I can honestly say probably five or six wins next year, depending on how they unload and how they go. And, you know, it is JGR in the Xfinity series. And Christopher Bell is a guy that I need to eat my words because last year I said that Christopher Bell wasn't going to be that great in the truck series. And that's how he turned out. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Bell is stomping on him. And I think, honestly, he'll do the same thing when he gets to the Xfinity series. And, Radcliffe knows the cars, even though there's a slight, you know, slight variance between the two cars, between Xfinity and Cup. He'll adapt just well, Tom, and I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, you can't count out, you know, the Kyle Busch machine and what Brandon Jones will be doing, but Bell oh, okay. will be See, in good hands. I was going to, I was just going to ask you, so I got a question for you. How do you think Chris Bell's going to do in the Xfinity series? <laughs> <laughs> Any bold <laughs> predictions? Um, I'm going to say much like Eric Jones did in his full-time season at JGR, four wins. Well, I was, I was kind of kneeling rents there, but oh. he, he didn't answer. Uh, oh. but yeah, okay. Uh, I well, say I four. Agree. I think, uh, I, uh, well, and see, I, I originally, when we talked about this a week or two ago, I originally said seven, but I think I may have to amend that down a little bit because yeah. now that we see what else is going on over there, uh, you know, I'm not sure anyone's going to win seven races at this point. But I, because uh, I, I think Ryan Priest, I think Joe Gibbs Racing will win a bunch of races between all the cars. Mm-hmm. But um, not mm-hmm. sure that anybody's going to quite win seven. But I would yeah. agree. I think at least four. Cisco. Um. Well, I think it's too early at the. No, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, no, I, I have can't to agree. I think he's going to find some success. This is in Congress. I see parallels with this move, uh, also with the move that we saw William Byron pick up in his brand new crew chief, uh, between, I don't think, I don't think Radcliffe has the same, you know, uh, the same credentials as, uh, as Darian, but. I still think that this is kind of the same dynamic of these veteran crew chiefs being able to bring this experience to these new drivers and helping be, you know, that that oracle, if you will, or that uh, that guy who knows, you know, what needs to be done in the car and, you know, can take some take the kids who are coming in here with probably want to go out and win seven races like you say Tom and they're slowing them down and say all right let's just let's just get through a couple of weeks here let's get some consistent finishes yeah i mean i just uh, i look at uh, the possibilities for uh what JGR has to offer next year and certainly with the experience of Jason Ratcliffe and Chris Bell coming up from the trucks i i just have to think that that team is going to be an amazing team once they really get used to each other. Um, you know, working with uh, Kyle Bush, working with Kenseth. I mean, he's learned Jason's worked with the best, and now he's going to share all that with Chris Bell. And, of course, uh, Kai Bush will still be around the organization. He's not going Seven. Anywhere. Seven races with yeah. NOS Energy. Well, we, we know that. Even when he's not racing, he's still. Right. He's so, still there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be a powerhouse group over at JGR. 
in 2018, and I think we've actually covered all the JGR news now. Finally? So, <laughs> you know what, folks? When we come back, we're actually going to talk about something besides Joe Gibbs Racing. I Woo! promise more of the Stock Car Show coming up here on the Performance Motorsports Network, so stick around. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orica Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Colin Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Rents Brown, and Cisco Scaramuza, as we continue to talk about the newswire. And, boy, we've got... Uh, just so much to get through here, but we'll uh, 
we'll kind of pick and choose here this segment. Uh, first of all, just to clean up the NASCAR big-time newswire, Fitzgerald um, becoming a major sponsor for Team Penske or a bigger part of the Team Penske sponsorship or partnership lineup on the Xfinity side, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because I love the paint schemes on those cars. Okay, so my two cents it is going to take me a while to get used to the 22 Xfinity car being green and black on a regular basis. Cisco. I like it, though. Half the season, almost 16 of 33 next year, going to be Fitzgerald Colors. Why? Well, because Discount Tire, which has been the majority sponsor of the 22 Xfinity car for a long, long time, is going up to the Cup Series for 11 races with Brad Keselowski to help fill the void from Miller having to cut back their support due to all the ins and outs with the merger that wasn't quite a merger, that, you know, all long and convoluted process that made money go other places. But the good news is for Fitzgerald, they get a much bigger presence on that car next year. And Tom's right. The car looks so good. It really does. Yeah, the car looks really cool, and I can't help but think that we're moving into... We've had driver development. How about sponsor development? Because we now have Fitzgerald moving up the ladder. Maybe they'll make it to Cup one day. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, I kind of see parallels with that, and also, you know, Credit One Bank coming in for Kalar as well. Same sort of deal. Yeah. uh, Let's be clear that uh, Credit One is not 100% confirmed, but it is being reported by our friends at the Sports Business Journal that Credit One Bank is poised to fill much of the void in sponsorship for the Ganassi 42 car that Target leaves as they go away into the sunset. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's uh, I'm not surprised at that, and I'm certainly not surprised that Kyle would have company or companies to fill that void. I mean, there aren't too many drivers in the sport on the cup side uh, that I can think of, honestly, that would be more marketable Cisco in terms of the fact that you've got a driver who is very young. He's very aggressive on the racetrack. He wins, he runs up front and he also runs a bunch of dirt track races and has fans all across the country and can sit after a dirt track race and sign autographs for a couple of hours and sell t-shirts and such out out of the back of his trailer. So, I mean, when you look at the whole of what Kyle Larson's brand is, not surprising that a company like Credit One would want to jump on more races with him. Oh, for sure. And, um, you know, this same sort of dynamic we've seen with Daryl Wallace Jr. as well, a very similar driver in terms of, you know, approachability and uh, maybe not necessarily the fame across the short track stuff, but nonetheless is still very similar personality, Tom. See, I think there, there's, there's a situation, and I'll comment on Fitzgerald in a moment. We kind of get off that subject, but um, when you bring up Daryl Wallace Jr., there's another situation, Rents. I feel like, honestly, Daryl Wallace Jr. and Richard Petty, in combination, ought to be the most marketable tandem in NASCAR racing, for crying out loud. I mean, what is there not to like here? The famous 43, the king in the cowboy hat, and Daryl Wallace, to me, uh, this should be a a dream for Wall Street. Um, And and we see that they're starting to, you know, get some attention. They they brought in Quicken Close, uh, an online mortgage company, 
uh, here very recently. So hopefully they'll uh, they'll have some more announcements soon. But uh, I would think, Renz, that that would be a powerful combination in terms of uh, marketing and branding. It, it should be. And I believe that in my heart that it should be the biggest thing when you're a Fortune 500 company looking for sponsorship. But the big thing is this, and we saw this with, Daryl in the Xfinity series is he's the only African-American driver in the sport right now. And this has nothing to do with his race or anyone's race for that matter. It's just the fact that most companies don't like taking chances because if you take a big chance and a big pay chance on, let's say, Daryl Wallace Jr. and it doesn't come to fruition the way that the team thinks and the way that the investor thinks then they're out a lot of money. And that's what really hurts a lot of these drivers is the fact that a lot of these companies aren't willing to really shell out the money that we've seen in the past. And it's it's unfortunate because Darrell Wallace Jr. should have been able to compete for the Xfinity Series Championship this year. And he should have been able to compete, in my opinion, full-funded, even for next year in Xfinity if it had fallen away, it did. But for him to be with the 43, I know there's talks of Air Force coming back on Obviously, STP re-signed back on, and I don't think yes, STP will right, ever yeah. leave yeah. the 43. So there's some things that will happen, and I really want Bubba to go full-time with full sponsorship, not STP covering when they can and Richard Petty Motorsports using the money out of their own pocket. So let's just see what happens, but there's a lot of things in Wall Street that need to happen and companies that need to look past just the, well, if we fail, I don't want to put my money towards that. Yeah, well, and, you know, the thing is, Jacob, with this type of a situation, and let's be clear here, that none of us on the show are trying to isolate Daryl Wallace Jr., and we're certainly not making any type of comment with regard to his race. I believe that his race has little to do with it. To me, what's marketable about Daryl Wallace Jr., is Daryl Wallace Jr. I mean, if you yes. if you follow him on Twitter, if you you know if you get to know him, he's one of the most approachable of all of the young racers, and he's got a great sense of humor. He he's just a nut, really, uh-huh. uh, and he can drive the wheels off a car. That's why Richard Petty wanted him. Yes, there's no question about the fact that it, it was Richard, and it, you know they wanted a young driver and. Bubba did so good in his fill-in races mm-hmm. for Eric this year that there was no question who they wanted, and they got him. And yes. I think that could be a really, really marketable situation, and I'm hoping that there's more coming to this. The teleconference, uh, back when they first announced this, I asked Richard, you know, why this decision and why now? And I love the answer Richard gave me. He said, we wanted to be part, Richard Petty Motorsports wanted to be a part of this next youth movement yeah. in NASCAR. They wanted to be part of the change. Now they're part of the change. They have a driver who's young, hungry, and not afraid to get after Exactly. It. And all of that, yes, that's a winning combination as far as I'm concerned. And it was funny. You know, somebody asked Richard if it had anything to do with the fact that Bubba is African-American. And Richard said, I wasn't thinking about that when I hired him. I wasn't thinking about it at all. I was thinking about the fact that he mashes on the pedal and goes fast in a race car. Well, exactly, Rince, and that's really the key here. And I don't think, yep. honestly, I know you said, you know, the risk is outweighs the reward. And I, and I don't think that that's why sponsors aren't 
sponsoring him, I think what you're trying to say is that's why a lot of sponsors just aren't getting into the sport. But honestly, if you if you look at what sponsorships are driven by, it's numbers. Bubba's numbers are very good, and his engagement's very good, and his popularity's very good. And I would argue that he's going to give a couple of other drivers a real run for the most popular driver award in 2018. And I, I think he's going to find a real mm-hmm. home in the Cup Series. Yeah, and I want him to find a home in the Cup Series. And let me just reiterate again, this has nothing to do with race at all. No. At all, at all, at but all. I, I, this is just due to the standpoint of sponsors not taking that jump, not taking that right. leap. And it's hard. Yep. It's hard for drivers. I'll put in Danica Patrick, Ryan Blaney. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll put in those types of drivers. Sponsors not only are, are looking at now of, OK, how much is it per race to sponsor a car? Because yeah. the yep. demand for the dollar has gone up in the series since the recession. And it has never gone back down. The next thing you have to look at is, okay, how much TV time will you get me over the course of four hours? And if you watch the Xfinity races and you watch how that went, Darrell Wallace Jr. could be running fifth for the majority of the race. But the television time is never really focused on Darrell Wallace Jr. that fifth place run. It's for the guys that run first, second, third, and that's all the way through. Sponsors I, won't take that. I hope that Daryl Wallace Jr. proves us wrong, and this year he runs very well. I think the Daytona 500, well, he might be a guy that you could say wins the race. He's not going to prove me wrong because I believe he will run well. I think I think, I, I think he'll win a race. I well, think he I wins too. I think year. he wins in the 43, and I think he contends for the playoffs. Yep. I think it's going to be yep. that. Now, mm-hmm. in order for that to happen, though, Cisco, very quickly, uh, you know, they first got to find a home. They haven't got a home after this season. They got to find a shop. They got to find, you know, but I, I, if they can get the equipment underneath Bubba, he will race for wins. There's no question about it. And I think the onus now is on the organization to get him that winning equipment. Oh, absolutely. And back to what Rents was talking about earlier with time and everything, you also t- have to take into the account that, uh, you know, these sponsors, if they sign on for like a major deal of some sort, you're not just talking about TV time. You're talking about merchandising. You're talking about impressions yep. on, you know, Social anything media. from photos to yep. video games to, you know, and basically anywhere you're going to see Daryl Wallace Jr., you're going to see uh, you're going to see the sponsors with him. You're going to see STP mm-hmm. and you're going to see uh, their new sponsor, which the time you'll have to. Fill me in on the name again. Click and Close is the newest one. They're an online mortgage yes. company. Yeah, that was announced yeah. a week or two ago. Yeah. And and I, and I do think that, again, I, I think Bubba's going to be very, very popular. And I his his it's not just impressions anymore. Sponsors look for engagement and, you know, people interacting with a brand. And, and certainly Bubba has that. And I think he's going to have it even more with uh, the 43 and the Petty Motorsports team. And I do want to bring it back to uh, Fitzgerald for a moment, because, uh, again, that is, uh, you know, on the on on uh, the Penske car, I think the green and black flatters those cars and just really stands out. So I'm really excited to see more of that. I don't care if it's Xfinity or cup. I'm excited to see more of that in 2018. So good on the folks from Fitzgerald. And um, while we've got just a quick moment, I'm going to just tease something that I want to make sure we get to uh, before the show ends. (laughs) Well, you know, Bristol, 
the short track nationals are back and I want to make sure we talk oh, about that before boy. the show ends. <laughs> They're going to do it again, folks. We'll step aside, and when we come back, it will be time for a fit stop. Hunter Smith, and we've got more to come here, a lightning round, very busy one as well. So stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color Correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Brennan Poole, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, this is our dance segment, which is appropriate because, uh, or apparently because the music we came back in on, but uh, okay, Bill, I get it. All right, that's fine. You want to have a little party. We'll, we'll do that after the show. We're, now we got a fit stop to get to. Hunter Smith has joined us, our motorsports fitness expert, and uh, the strange music aside, we're going to talk about driver training. You've got some... Um, You've got a couple of things here. This is actually the second in a two-part series. You've got a couple of things here that I think uh, when you talk about off-season training that stick out for me. And the first one is 
you're talking about strength training. And the second one is you, t- you talk about the phrase assessments. And I think a lot of people would wonder, okay, strength training, what do we do? And how do we assess kind of where we are and, you know, what needs to happen over the winter for next season? Yeah, and it's not even just necessarily assessments when it comes to strength training. It's just assessments in general. Uh, We talk about all that kind of stuff. A little bit last week, we talked about the different uh, experimenting and stuff that we can do with the driver training going uh, going into this season, going into a new season. Um, And the assessment part of it just goes along with it. So assessment can just come into – figuring out what a driver needs. You know, if a driver says this whole year, you know, he suffered with this or, you know, I struggled with this. I could have been better on this end. I could have been better here. Um, that's part of the assessment thing. It's figuring out and being honest with yourself as a driver, being honest with yourself, figuring where you could see improvement, where you need help, um, where you were pretty good. And from a trainer standpoint, it's just seeing, okay, maybe the driver doesn't know, doesn't see what I see. You know, we can have a couple different things there. So um, all those assessments, we look at if you're with a driver for a multiple year kind of deal, it's cool to see the pre and the post assessments, kind of see where they were at the beginning of the season, where they're at now. Um, Did this program work this year? Did it not? Let's try something else next year. We'll try it out this way. So um, assessments are key for off-season training for sure, just to kind of get a program ready for the next year. Well, you know, I think that is key. And and I think – you know, a lot of times, I think in, in the Cup Series, we look at some of these, you know, these athletes, and I'm going to reiterate that, they're athletes. You know, when you mountain bike and run marathons the way Jimmy Johnson does, or, you know, Casey Kane or some of these other drivers, and, and a lot of the younger guys now are, you know, multiple um, discipline athletes. Um, you know, even Justin Haley, you know, people look at Justin, he's small in stature, but, you know, he's constantly, if he's not you know, running, he's swimming, he's doing, you know, a lot of different things, Ben Rhodes into boxing, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, sort of training disciplines, if you will, um, that these drivers use, but I think even on the regional level, local regional level, you know, this sport, as you get more of these younger drivers involved at all levels of the sport that are doing these kinds of strength and conditioning programs, I think it kind of uh, demands more and more that if you're going to race against these kids, and especially, I mean, it's different if it's just a 20-lap race, but when you're running these 250, 300-lap weight model races even, you'd better be able to step up your own game if you're a veteran because otherwise, you know, it, 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 the, these young kids race pretty hard, a lot harder than a lot of the other guys used to, I think, um, you know, over the course of a race. Yeah, definitely. And and you talked about all the different training disciplines for different drivers and stuff like that. And I think that's one of the coolest things. You know, you go into a a football locker room or a basketball locker room and they're all training the same. All those basketball players, all those football players, depending on what positions they play, they're going to be training exactly the same. Okay, so you look at these drivers. We don't really have a set style we have to train so we can kind of have some fun with it. So you see, you know, Ben Rhodes doing the box. And I know uh, there was a, a period of time where Kevin. And Harvick was big into martial arts and all that kind of cool stuff. So whatever really helps a driver, that's where, you know, like we talked about assessments and uh, even last week talking about the different training styles and experimenting a little bit. We can find something the driver likes and use it and use it to the best of their ability and just use that as, you know, the base of their training program and then kind of factor things around it. And what I find interesting, Hunter, is we talked a little bit about it last week was that Eric Almarola coming from a background of baseball, he played a lot of that, you know, 
alongside the racing stuff and decide to come from baseball, go full time into auto racing. And, you know, coming from an athletic background and playing a sport, then going into then going into racing, you know, it kind of has that similar that similar similarity as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, you talk about Eric, and that's not uh, that's not an uncommon thing. Not even just for drivers, but for pit crews too. You look at, you know, Eric Amarola, like you said, uh, coming from the baseball background. You look at Elliot Sadler. Elliot Sadler was turning down basketball scholarships to go race. Uh, you know, Dale Jarrett was it was big into golf. You had all these guys that were big into sports, and they had that athletic. Not only the athletic ability, but the athletic mindset, and that was a huge, a huge help to them, and it still is. You see all these guys that don't play different sports, whether it be uh, college or high school, and now it's getting a little bit different to where you can't really um, necessarily, you know, you have some wrestlers, some drivers that I know dabbled in wrestling. They talk about it in high school and stuff like that. Kevin Harvick was a big wrestler in high school, so, um, so they do have that athletic background, which is cool. But also the pit crew guys too. The pit crew guys are all coming out of college. They're, you know, f- football players that coming out of college that didn't go at to the NFL and they're now they're throwing 80 pound tires around lifting up you know 100 pound gas cans and stuff like that so um our sport is pretty much I I joke about it all the time but our sport is pretty much made up of misfit athletes you know you know we're a little bit of everything we're not one specific style of athlete we could probably go into all these other sports and perform relatively well as drivers and pick crew members not not necessarily set the world on fire in other sports but we could probably have that athletic ability and have that mindset of going to play other sports. We, we just know about it. And like I said, we're a bunch of misfits. We know a little bit of everything. We're a jack of all trades and master of none. It's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, you mean like some eat nutrition bars and some eat soda cookies, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're not going to name names, yeah. but that's exactly the case. <laughs> well, and the irony is that we're talking about the guy who's famous for soda cookies actually potentially running a full season of World of Outlaws sprint car racing next year. That's like 90 shows. I mean, you know, you want to talk about having to be an athlete. Maybe those guys don't. You know, marathon like Jimmy Johnson, but they get enough laps in the doggone sprint car and and throwing that thing around enough tracks during the year that they don't really need to. Yeah, but I don't know if y'all have seen Tony's getting on a bike. There has there is video and photo evidence of Tony Stewart cycling now. So, um, you know, we could see a new leaf for Tony. He could be, you know, no Subway might cookies. be back. Yeah. You, you never know. Yeah. That that might be a relationship coming back for for him in the world of outlaws. We don't know. So, um. I am happy to see Tony getting out on the bike with the the Livid Extreme guys down there in North Carolina, which is pretty cool. So, um, like I said, we could see something different out of Tony this year. Well, honestly, if if the if Tony's getting on a bike, if he's getting to that level in his fitness, that would sort of make me think that some of those rumors we're hearing might just have some basis. Because otherwise, I don't think Tony's going to go to that extent at his age to get in his tip-top shape if uh, he's not going to do something that he hasn't been doing before. And, you know, that would be just amazing to see him actually uh, out on the World of Outlaws tour in 2018. We'll just have to wait and see if that comes true. But you, you really make a good point, though, because when you look at race car drivers across the board, you know, there are a lot of different preferences and a lot of different routines. And But I think the thing that we can agree on is that the majority at least of the new generation of drivers are doing significant fitness and and strength training um of one sort or another whatever they happen to prefer it's becoming almost impossible now to get to the top levels of the sport without being very very sharp at this and it's it's no different on the IndyCar side and I even have seen a lot of 
uh, drivers in the Formula One and, and Formula type mm-hmm. disciplines over in Europe that are doing a lot of this now. But um, you look at IndyCar and Indy Lights and all of those you know divisions and see all those young guys at um, you know pit fit uh, and you know they just uh, it's it's just amazing what they they do every day as far as training and the different types of training they go through. Yeah, it's and, and Pitfit is known. They Pitfit has pretty much set the bar yeah. in, in this country You're for right. you know for driver training. And you know I'm fortunate enough to have a relationship and a, a friendship with Jim Leo. And you know he's an awesome guy. I bounce stuff off him all the time. He's such a you know a huge mentor even just to me. So um, you know I'm constantly you know sending texts and messages saying like, hey, what does this do? What does this do? Can I implement this? Can I do this? And that's so cool to have. But um, but yeah, it's pretty much impossible, like you said, Tom, to get to this point with no kind of training routine or some kind of, you know, drill training, whether it be, you know, the strength training and the, all the different disciplines. Like you said, we don't have to stick to a basic program. You know, we don't have to train. I always say like, yeah, we're race car drivers, but we don't have to train specifically like race car drivers. Right. You know, if I was a middle linebacker, I'm going to train like a middle linebacker, but we don't have to do that. We can, you know, as race car drivers, we could train like boxers. We can train like CrossFit athletes. We can train like triathletes. We can kind of a whole lot of discipline and that that's what makes it so also so much fun as a driver and makes it, you know, really unique, but it also makes it tougher because you really don't know where to go. So sometimes that could be a little bit of a problem there too. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you look at somebody like Zach Veach, for example, I've Mm -hmm. watched Zach go from, you know, very, very small and no tone or muscle, you know, really whatsoever, just barely over a hundred pounds when he was in Indy, uh, or when he was in, uh, uh, the Mazda divisions and even first in Indy lights with Andretti. And now over the course of time, I've seen him go through a huge change with it pit fit with strength training, then, you know, a lot of work on the nutrition side to sort of build him, um, and build the muscle. And now, you know, I see him all the time. He's a mountain climber and doing all kinds of stuff, biking. So, you know, you sort of see that evolution of drivers like him that come in and, you know, Zach still may not be, you know, the biggest Hulk, but he is certainly in really, really good shape in plenty good shape to go out and win in the IndyCar. Uh, if the car is, is capable of doing that this year, which of course it will be because he's driving for Andretti. So, uh, should be a lot of fun to watch him and real quick while we've got a minute or two here left, um, you know, let's look at the weekend and, you know, when you when you kind of take a look at what we're doing here, of course, it's all about Homestead. Now you've got three different divisions and, you know, Homestead's kind of an interesting track to talk about that track from the fitness side of things and what these divisions are going to go through. Yeah, Homestead is a very, uh, the way I describe it, a very cookie cutter oval. Yeah. There's really it, it's got a little bit of banking to it. Um, you can run multiple lines there. You can run the outside. You can run the middle. You can run the bottom. I think that's what makes it so exciting to run it on a, on a championship weekend. Um, so I think that'll be really cool. I think there's a lot of mental side going on with these drivers this weekend. They're going to be need to be sharp, really sharp reaction times, uh, just staying focused, you know, staying true to the task at hand. That kind of stuff uh, is going to come big into play this weekend, being a championship weekend for those four guys, but also just for everybody else kind of getting things, the last chance of the year to go out and win a race, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot of different stuff physically, uh, not too, too of a demanding track. Um, a lot of just typical, your neck strength in the corners, holding the, if you're up towards a wall, just, you know, 
um, you know, keeping things steady, uh, being able to keep those muscles strong for that long race, long grueling mentally race, it kind of physically exhausts you as well. So um, should be a good one. See, I wasn't going, I I was going to see if you were going to hit on the mental side. You've got uh, four drivers in each series Mm -hmm. that are going to be seriously mentally challenged here this weekend because it's all about you know, winning you're in basically, you've got to beat the other three to win the championship. It doesn't matter which series you're in. And that's it. You know, along with that, you can't, you've got to be very patient. You've got to make good judgments. You've basically got to have a good, sharp mental approach to the, to the race. And you got to race hard, but you can't race stupid. And I think, you know, racing smart sometimes can be difficult for, um, you know, when you get into situations like lap, lap traffic where you want to, you know, get, that distance between you and the other championship contenders. You just got to, sometimes it is a weird mix of patience and uh, aggression that you have to have when you're doing that uh, on championship weekend. It's going to be fun. We're going to keep Hunter around for uh, our lightning round, which is coming up and uh, we'll get Bill to walk us through our lightning round and be our host. Stick around. This is going to be 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children. Troubled Bureau of Justice Assistance and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. part of the California invasion that's been going on for much longer than we really probably remember unless we really stop to think about it in NASCAR. Um, well, West Coast, I know I he's, from, say, yeah, wrong he's from, state. Vegas, he's from but, Las Vegas. Yeah, but West Coast invasion, I guess. And, and you know, you think about that and it just it, it seems like you think about the drivers who are recently coming over from that part of the country, but gosh, it goes all the way back decades, really. And Jeff Gordon, unofficially, I guess, would be uh, perhaps one of the first or the first, but I think he's known more for being 
you know, Midwest racing and that kind of thing than he is actually from being from California. Home Vallejo, California. Claimed yeah. residence, Pittsburgh, Indiana. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those. But anyway, uh, Noah, one of the future stars of the sport who's done a great job in the truck series this year. And we are back on the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Renz Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, Hunter Smith, and <laughs> Bill behind the glass, wide-eyed and uh, ready to go here with our lightning round. So, Bill, let's go. All right, gentlemen, let's throw the green flag on tonight's lightning round with a couple of toss-up questions. Choose one of the two answers and briefly explain why you made that choice. Today's order will be Cisco, Hunter, Rance, Jacob, and Tom. First topic, better chance of winning their respective series championship this weekend, Austin Sendrick or Daniel Hemrick? Daniel Hemrick. By a large margin, because Austin Sindrick, I feel just we we said it we said it uh, we said on Motorsports Madness this week. You know, between Sauter and between Bell, those are your two favorites right there. Sindrick isn't on that list, and I I just can't see it, guys. I just can't see it. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say Austin Sindrick has a better chance of winning his championship than Daniel Hemrick. Uh, Hemrick is gonna have to go through all three junior motorsports cars with three very stout drivers, two being very, you know, longtime veterans of the sport. Um, and Sindrick might just, you know, go ahead, bump everybody out of the way, and then go ahead and take it. So, you know, you wow. know what might happen. So, wow. Yeah. So I'm gonna you say went Austin there. Sindrick. Uh, I'm going Daniel Hemrick for this reason and this reason only, guys. If you watched Phoenix, you saw a very powerful charge by that 21 in an invigorated Daniel Hemrick. He was someone that had new life and went for it. And I think that momentum going forward with the fact they're not changing the crew chief this weekend. Keep in mind, since the post-Charlotte sort of crew chief suspension that they got they've been on fire so everything's intact everything's perfect i think that 21 car goes and makes a run and possibly wins the xfinity series championship for 2017 i'm going to agree with the majority right now and say daniel hemrick has a better shot because well this reason and this reason only austin Sindrick. Uh, was given a very real warning by Matt Crafton that that 19 truck wasn't going to finish Homestead, whether it was by his hand or somebody else's. And truth be told, after everything that Austin Sindrick's been through this season, love the kid, want to see Brad Keselowski Racing win a championship, but I'm fairly nervous that that would <laughs> that that's going to become reality and that 19 truck isn't going to see the checkered flag at homestead because he's going to get run into by somebody wrong hunter is right austin sindrick has a better shot and here's why every measurable stat that you could possibly come up with would suggest that daniel hemrick has a better chance to win his championship than austin would his however Hunter is exactly right. Austin Sindrick has shown he will do absolutely anything it takes to bring Brad Keselowski a championship in his final truck race as an owner, or at least for now. Uh, So I would have to say 
that I think Austin Sindrick is probably going to be a much bigger part of this upcoming truck race than a lot of people think. And I don't believe Matt Crafton takes him out. I would imagine they probably looked at the video a few times since then and hopefully realized that Ben Rhodes, unfortunately, had as much to do with uh, his own demise and Crafton's as Austin Sindrick did. So I say Sindrick has a better shot. Second topic. Most likely to replace Dale Jr. as the Cup Series' most popular driver, Ryan Blaney or Chase Elliott? I mean, did you hear the crowd <laughs> at Phoenix? It's <laughs> Chase Elliott by a landslide. That's it. That's all I need. Next. Uh, I, uh, I'm i going to go ahead and say Chase Elliott's got a better shot out of those two. However, I'll just go out on a limb and say that I don't think either one of them will win most popular driver next year, but that's just me. So, wow. But if out of the two, I would say Chase Elliott. He thinks Dale Jr. is going to win it again. <laughs> that's it. For the next three years, he's still going to win it. <laughs> Dale Jr. is going to keep winning it until the day he dies, man. He's just going to keep going. Um, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott, only solely due to the reason of the crowd noise we heard at Martinsville. The crowd noise we heard at Texas and the crowd noise we heard at Phoenix. He is becoming what his father became and is the most popular driver. Something that I believe other than the Earnhardts would be the next father-son duo to win the award. So I do think, Jacob, in 2018, Chase Elliott claims that title. Agreed. Absolutely. Chase Elliott and... Honestly, I can turn to my right and ask, who came up with these with this question? This is not even a question. I'm sorry. Chase Elliott. You know what? Ryan Blaney's fun and all. He's a Star Wars junkie. He's really good on social media. But the fans have made it known it's Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is the heir apparent. I'm sorry. Tom, I know you came up with this question. It's not even a question. It's Chase Elliott. Well, see, I'm not so sure that it is Chase Elliott. I, I would be, I would be inclined to agree with that. But, you know, Ryan Blaney's got a lot more fans than you think. And I believe him going over to Penske, certainly his performance is not going to suffer with that move. Um, you know, I think the other contender may be Bubba Wallace, but I definitely, I do think Chase Elliott probably is going to be the most popular driver, but it's going to be interesting here. Somebody's got to step up and be a face for the sport the way Junior has been, even though he never asked for the title. And, you know, here's the last thing I'll say about this, and then we got a, n- a next question. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care if Junior hasn't won a championship. I don't care how he's gone out in terms of his performance or results this year. The bottom line is he's given more to the sport and done more for the sport than uh, uh, anybody will ever realize, and he's going to keep doing it. Ding. Our final topic is a fill-in-the-blank question. Dale Jr. will be blank when he climbs out of his car after his final cup race on Sunday. Dale Jr. will be David Rossing when he comes out of his car after the final cup race on Sunday, I see a lot of parallels here. I see a, I see someone who made his name and, you know, extremely popular at another organization and then comes to another and comes to Hendrick Motorsports to finish off his career. And, you know, you know, the time difference is obviously David Ross with the Cubs spent way less time than Junior did at Hendrick Motorsports. But still, you have this overarching figure who's so popular and just that popularity continues to grow. So 
Uh, David Rossing. I think Dale Jr. is going to be bombarded when he gets out of the car. <laughs> um, the amount of media that's going to be there, you won't. The champion won't make a difference. I, uh-huh. I, I think it's you know, it's just going to be all the media is going to be at that car waiting to see him cry. That's all we're going to be looking for. Like so, um, I think he'll be bombarded when he gets out of the car at Homestead. I think he will be thankful. I think he'll be thankful due to the fact that he got to retire on his own accord. And not something that, you know, took his life tragically like his grandfather and his father. He was able to step out of the car when he wanted to and say when it was time to quit. I think he'll also be thankful for the time that he actually got to bond with his father and had something to bond over and seeing just the emotion of his father when he won the All-Star Race and when he won at Texas for his first points win. I think there's a lot of things there that he'll look forward to, but thankful is the word that I think Dale Jr. will be after Homestead. Similar to what Rent said, but not exactly. Dale Jr. will be relieved when he gets out of the car at Homestead because he made it through the last season. He has his health, and as Rent said, he gets to retire on his own terms. I think here of late, I don't think Jr.'s lost any of the fire, but I do think that he started to see the end of the road and know what's ahead. And I think you can tell there's an excitement for what's ahead working with NBC Sports. And I think Dale is very much looking forward to that next chapter of his life come 2018. And, you know, I I think he's ready for a change finally, as many do and are when they get to this point in their career. So I think relief is going to be one of the uh, preeminent emotions when we see that 88 car pull into the pits at the end of Sunday's race. Okay, you and Rents have been way too sappy, so i got to lighten the mood here. Dale Jr. has been Mountain Dew Dale. Now he's going to become, on, after he gets out of the car on Sunday, he becomes Honey Dew Dale. There's a, <laughs> there's a baby on the way. That means cravings are going to be coming sooner (laughs) rather than later and errands are going to need to be done and things around the house are going to need to be done he's going to be honeydew dale and he'll probably be very happy i do agree with you guys though he will be relieved i'm sure and probably bombarded i don't know that the champion won't make a difference but i do uh agree with where you're going hunter it's certainly going to be uh sort of a split between the two because everybody's going to want to quote and time with Junior as well. And, you know, God bless him. And I I hope that he enjoys his uh, post-cup racing career as much as Tony has uh, seemed to be enjoying himself. And I guess if the rumors are true, about to bury himself in a schedule about two and a half times as large. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see on that one. All right, I'm going to throw in another question here because we briefly mentioned it earlier. And I just, we get, we got a little time left here, very little. So be quick with the answer. Um, Black flag or checkered flag, the return of short track nationals to Bristol, Jacob. Black, very black. I'm nervous. We had a lot of big crashes. That's all I'll say. Hunter. No, checkered flag. I'm all about it. Let's do it. All for it. Rents. Black flag. The drivers need to learn how to drive and hit the brake pedal before they're allowed back at Bristol, in my opinion. Cisco. Uh, Yellow flag. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a choice, but, you know, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, I love the idea of this race. I really do. Um, and I really want it to work out the way everybody else would like to see it in terms of it being a competitive race without just 
nothing but carnage yeah. in some of these divisions. But the way they did it last year, they had classes there that don't use spotters. They had classes there that just weren't ready to be on that track. And I, I, I just think there are a lot of drivers that run that race that just aren't ready to race at Bristol. I will be praying for a safe and successful race weekend for everybody when that comes back next year. So I'm kind of agreeing with the whole caution flag thing, yeah. Jacob. S- say goodnight, Gracie. Say goodnight. <laughs> Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Cole, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as the folks at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, for what they do to make this show possible, alongside Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Bill Holt behind the glass, and all the folks at PMN. So for Tom Baker... Rents Brown, Cisco Scaramuza, Hunter Smith, and all the rest of our Race Chaser Online staff. I'm Jacob Seaman reminding you to keep it off the wall, and we might just see it at a racetrack somewhere. Folks, have a safe racing weekend. Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.